Rob and scoot up a little bit. Number campus minister with RUF here at App State. And I want to, before I read the passage, I want to say something small about the unrest that is clear on our campus and in our town, our country, and in our hearts. Do you want justice? Do you long for justice? If you do, good. The Bible is very interested in justice. But the question is, where do you find justice? Is justice something that we make with our own strength? Or is it something that comes from outside of us? Is it something that we need to grow? Or is it something that rains down from above? The answer that Mark gives us in the Gospel of Mark is that there is a clear hope for justice because we have a God of perfect justice. And this answer, it doesn't lead us to complacency. It leads us to wake up and respond because justice is the business of God's kingdom. So with that in mind, let me read Mark 2, 1 through 12, and then we'll jump in. So Mark 2, 1 through 12. And when Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, "'Son, your sins are forgiven.'" Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. This is God's word. Let me pray. Father, I I have nothing of myself to offer. Yours are the words of truth. So please, Father, work through me, through my weakness, I pray, Lord, that you would show your strength. And we ask this in your name. Amen. I am a really clumsy person. I've always been a really clumsy person. Just kind of a clumsy guts. It's not what anyone says. No one uses that word. But I, I trip over things constantly. I've tipped things over and knocked things over a lot. I never mindlessly walk upstairs or downstairs because I will fall and injure myself or other people. And... When I hear stories like this one, I cringe because I relate so, so dearly. So in 2005, at the Fitzwilliam Museum in Cambridge, 
this visitor went into the museum and he tripped over one of his shoelaces and he knocked into three vases or vases that were on display worth a collective $500,000 and immediately they shattered and were fractured into 400 different pieces. There in that one moment of clumsiness, this incredibly expensive display, probably more than, than he'd ever been worth, it's fractured beyond repair, and it didn't really matter how much. Doesn't really matter how much he longed for what was fractured to become whole. There was no way to make it whole again. Every single person in this room or wherever you are, each one of us longs for wholeness. We long to be complete, unfractured. We long for wholeness connected to our bodies, so to be free from injury illnesses, the burden of allergies and dietary restrictions. We long for wholeness related to our emotions. We want to be free from anxiety and depression. We long for societal wholeness. We want equity, fairness, dignity for all people. And yet, to different degrees or in different ways, each one of us is frustrated in our longing for wholeness, and we're continually fractured. I have friends that have suffered from chronic pain for years and have gone to countless doctors, and the root cause of the pain is still a mystery. With all of the developments in medication and mental health strategies, anxiety is arguably just as and maybe more prevalent than it's ever been. It only takes a really quick glance at our society to see that it is fractured. Just pick one random Twitter comment section, and you'll see that things are fractured as we descend, it seems, more and more into an us-versus-them mentality with hostility and harshness. We see that things are just not the way that they're meant to be. In us and in the world around us, things are fractured. And yet with all of that in mind... What Mark tells us here is so big and so bold that it strains our willingness to believe. And the claim is this, that all of our longing for wholeness, for things to be right the way that they're meant to be, all of those longings point to Jesus. All of those longings for wholeness find their ultimate satisfaction in Jesus. And if that seems too big or too good, the gospel is good news exactly because it speaks to the whole scope of our longings for wholeness. And so this is what we need to see tonight from Mark 2, is that the gospel brings wholeness. The gospel brings wholeness. And it brings it in the two big categories of life, body and soul, body and soul. So first, the gospel brings wholeness to our bodies, to the body. So we're going to jump into the passage now. And throughout Jesus' life that Mark shows us in, in his gospel, Jesus is surrounded by crowds. And this is, you know, some of these people wanted to move toward him with affection. Some wanted to harm him. But this was in part because Jesus' teaching was lights out good. Fascinating. It, what he said was different because he spoke with authority. But this is also because wherever Jesus went, he performed miracles. And what's the deal with miracles? And this is another one of those parts of this book where we get to and we're like, really? 
Miracles, isn't this the kind of fairy tale stuff that just shows us that it's all just made up? Well, here's all I'll say about this for now. It's that the question really isn't, are miracles possible, but who is Jesus? If Jesus is God, then he has all power over our bodies, the laws of nature, all things. And so miracles are really no big deal. If he is God, then miracles are just the kind of a day in the life for Jesus. But also, I mean, when we come to a passage like this that involves a miracle, we might just be confused and wonder, like, what is Jesus doing here? Is this just some kind of, like, party trick that he's doing in his house? Well, Jesus isn't just promoting his brand with a, a cool party trick. He is showing who he is, that he is God. He's also illustrating what he is going to do through his death and resurrection, bringing about healing and restoration for all things. But also, what I want you to see is that Jesus performed miracles on people's bodies because he cared about people's bodies. That's in large part why he performed miracles. And the paralytic from the story, this man who was paralyzed, and his friends, they demonstrate this desperate longing for bodily healing. We see in verse 2 and and 3 that there is no more room in this house where Jesus is. And so these men come with their friend, this paralyzed man, and they want to bring him to Jesus, but there's no more room. So in in verse 4, it says, When they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. So they remove a part of the roof and they begin lowering this paralyzed man down through it. Roofs back then weren't like ours. It's not shingles, it's straw and mud. But still, it's likely that this is Jesus's house. And so they're, they're tearing the roof off of Jesus's house to bring this man down. But when Jesus sees them and sees this man in verse five, what he sees is their faith. He sees their faith. And while Jesus is going to make a bigger point about giving this man forgiveness, a spiritual gift of wholeness, he makes a bigger, uh, he makes also a big deal about gifting this man wholeness related to his body. So Jesus tells him in verse 11 to get up. He said, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately verse 12, this man, he rises No longer paralyzed, he picks up his mat, and in a picture of the reversal from fracture to wholeness, he goes out. And clearly this shows that Jesus, he cares about this man's body. And the implication of Jesus healing this man's body is that Jesus cares about the physical, material, practical stuff of life. Hunger, homelessness, poverty, marginalization, marginalization. Jesus cares about these things. And he cares about bringing wholeness to all these areas of life. A couple years ago, Lecrae, who is a Christian and a black man and a rapper, he started speaking out about what was happening in black neighborhoods and to black individuals, speaking out about black dignity and black rights after the shooting of Michael Brown and Ferguson. And when he began to do this, he lost a large part of his fan base. And over the past couple of years, he's done a lot of interviews talking about what people would say to him after he began advocating for black dignity and and rights and lives. And people would say say to him, you've lost the mission. You just need to talk about the gospel. Stop talking about what's going on in the streets. 
Stop talking about what's going on in black communities. And he became so discouraged that he considered leaving his Christian faith. But in the end, thankfully, what he did is reassert his faith in what the gospel is. And it's that Jesus came to save the world, to bring wholeness to all things. Jesus, of course, cares about black dignity, rights, black bodies. Jesus' gospel is not a hyper-spiritualized good news. It doesn't divorce the soul from the body. It speaks hope for God bringing wholeness to all of creation, every part of life. So the gospel is good news for the poor and the oppressed. The gospel tells us that God cares about polluted water and smog-filled skies. God cares about all of the things that he has made and bringing wholeness where there has been fracture and brokenness. It gives us a future hope. And so the healing of this paralyzed man, what it does is it points forward to what Jesus has accomplished through his death and resurrection. A certainty that God will make all things right. He will bring wholeness to every square inch of creation. And this is very clear because you know, the, the paralytic, he goes away from here still in a body that one day would die. He's still looking forward to when God would give him a whole and perfect body like Jesus' resurrected body. This is the same hope that we have. With our hope in Jesus, we have, our, we have a sure hope that God will make our bodies whole, fully one day. No more illness, injury, or death. With our hope in Jesus, we know that God will bring wholeness to our minds. Bring freedom from anxiety and depression. And while that is a future hope, we can know that God cares about our bodies. God cares about mental health. And this hope, it's bigger than just me or than you. We have a hope that God is, again, going to bring healing as far as the curse is found. And if we think that talking about some future wholeness, future justice, that makes us sit on the couch and just watch Netflix, we should recognize that if, we, if our hope is in Jesus, and he's our destination, then we've got to follow him and begin to care about what he cares about and love what he loves. Christians have the most reason, not the least, to work for wholeness in our society, for a more just society, more equitable, where there is more dignity shown to each individual, where there is more mercy and generosity. Christians have the most reason, not the least, to care and to advocate for the dignity and the rights and, the, and, the, and God's love and care for black bodies and black lives because God made them with precious dignity. Christians have the most, not the least, reason to work toward a more whole world and a less fractured world because this is what God is working out by his promise and power. So that's the first thing, is that the gospel brings wholeness to us in the category of the body. But second, the gospel brings wholeness to the soul. So when Jesus sees the paralytic lowered through the roof, the first words out of his mouth are, you can look in verse five, he says to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. 
This was outrageously offensive to the religious leaders because they say in verse 7, who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus is claiming to have authority that God has. But if we, if we stop and think about it, this is likely offensive to us because Jesus sees this man. He knows what this man is, is looking for. He's looking for bodily wholeness as his faith is put in Jesus. And yet Jesus offers him forgiveness, which implies that this man has sinned, rebelled against God. Even more, I mean, this implies that this man has sinned against Jesus if Jesus is offering forgiveness. So is Jesus just not seeing this man? Is he, is he marginalizing this man? Is he neglecting his need? Well, the first thing, clearly, no, because he is he's doing something here with the religious leaders. And he is, he's showing them, I really do have authority on earth to forgive sin. So he gives them this question in verse 9, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk, but also we've seen that he heals this man. He sees the depth of his longing and need. But this raises the question: What is this man's greatest need? What is his greatest need? And we might be tempted to say, I mean, the most pressing need is for him to have his body back, to be healed. I mean, deal with that, and then you can figure out the spiritual stuff later, right? But Jesus flips it. He says that his biggest concern is to show he has authority to forgive sins because that is this man's biggest need, the forgiveness of sins. And so he says in verse 10, but that you may know that the son of man, Jesus' title for himself, has authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus sees the fullness of this man's bodily need. And still, and still he sees his greatest, most urgent need for him to bring wholeness and restoration to his relationship with God. Deal with that, and everything else follows. One of my friends, his mom, a couple years ago, she was in her 70s, and all of a sudden, when she was in fairly good health, her health went on a rapid decline. And within a couple of days, she started demonstrating signs of late-stage dementia. I mean, she, was, she couldn't remember who most people were, or where she was. She was losing motor functions and she was nearly comatose. And when my friend took her to the hospital, he didn't expect for her to leave. But when they ran a blood test on his mom, they found that she just had a, an incredibly low amount of sodium, basically salt, in her body. She had decided to cut out salt to try to be healthy, but she had cut out too much. And this is just, you know, it wreaked havoc on her body, wreaked fracture on her health. And so basically they just gave her some salt. They gave her some salty food. This basic thing, I mean, that on some level we just would see as, you know, sure it's important, but you deal with other stuff. But this was her biggest need. It was only when the doctor gave her that, dealt with that biggest need that everything else followed. Her liveliness came back. Her memory came back. She got up and she started moving around. And the gospel, Jesus Dying and rising for your forgiveness, God has met your greatest need. He's met your greatest need. And other places of fracture, physical, emotional, societal, are so vital and important. But, but let the importance of those things show you just how important, or just how big your need is for wholeness in your relationship with God. That's how much you need it. As important as these things are, 
They don't hold a candle to your need for wholeness in your relationship with God. Because God has accomplished our greatest need, though, we have a perfect hope. We have a perfect hope. You have hope now that you can access relationship with God as your father and know that you are in the right with him. And you can look forward to a future when you will experience complete closeness with God that will satisfy every longing and heal every wound. And in Jesus, you have a capital H hope that promises that all those lowercase h hopes are true and are real. Because God has met your greatest need, you have hope that he surely will heal every wound. Because God is good enough, if God is good enough to forgive me, then surely he is good enough to fulfill every promise. There will be justice, there will be peace. But what difference does it make if we see Forgiveness, wholeness in our relationship with God is our greatest need. I think it reorients our understanding of what wholeness is. As, so physical health is very important, and we are to take care of our bodies. But if we see physical health or, or controlling the shape of our bodies as this is what's going to give me wholeness and, and satisfy me, make me whole, then we will be continually frustrated because you're never in shape enough. Or it's all, always just something that you have to keep doing. As important as it is to work for justice in society, if what makes you whole is bringing about change, then you will be f- continually frustrated by the lack of change. And you will see even people that largely agree with you, but that differ with you in slight ways, you will see them as the opposition. You'll begin to treat them and see them with harshness and hostility. But if we see wholeness with God as our greatest need that he has met and will meet, then we can see all the other hopes for wholeness as real and good, but we can approach them with patience and trust. If we are looking for wholeness just in this life, we will be continually frustrated. But the gospel is not just good news for this life. The gospel is good news for all of life forever. And any glimpse of wholeness we get in this life is really just a preview of what's coming. And yet also, this doesn't mean that we're just waiting around for heaven, waiting around for the next life. Faith in Jesus makes us more eager for wholeness that is coming because we know that it is. It is coming. And it makes us more patient because we know that it's coming. I mentioned the shattered vase at the beginning and vase at the beginning. And what they had to do basically was bring in a vase restoring wizard, this woman named Perry Bindle. I don't know why I remember that name, but she came in and basically what she alone was able to do is take all the 400 fractured pieces of the vase and take a special kind of glue and make them whole again. And when she made all of them whole painstakingly over months, she, she said in an interview, you know, I could have there were still these lines of fracture on the vases and I could have found a way to smooth those out, but it was only these lines of fracture that showed that they're the real deal. These vases that were fractured and that I restored, they're still the, the same ones. Here is the best news. Are you fractured? Do you lack wholeness? The lines of fracture that you bear and that I bear 
These show that you really are loved by the God who promises to make you whole. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the the good news that Jesus came to bring wholeness to our bodies and to our souls. I pray that we would bring these together so that we would have real hope. And we ask all of this in your name. Amen.